today in what sense yesterday or today because today just started all of it um okay <laughs> i'm okay <laughs> i'm doing that's it i'm doing you're doing something i have to go back to work soon so i'm pumped to get these episodes done before i have to actually go back to work from the break yeah so. i understand all right, well, if you don't know, this is Answer Choice E, all of the above. Welcome. We talk about all of the things. So, buckle up. <laughs> Oof. What was our topic for today? Phones. Phones, telephones, Phonograph. mobile phones. <clears throat> Not a photograph. All the phones. <laughs> Not a photograph, no. Not a phonograph. Not a phonograph either. Look at this graph. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so phones. That seems like a pretty wide topic. Mm-hmm. Have you ever owned a phone? Okay, better question. When was the first time you got a phone? <laughs> I, like a cell phone? Or did you have a room? Like, did you have a actual phone inside your room? Okay. 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 Let me. Okay. Growing up, I always had a phone on the wall, mm-hmm. and then that faded out. Um, I did, when I was younger, have one of, it was a quote-unquote cell phone, but you had to plug it into a landline to keep it in your room, but it looked like a flip phone. Oh. But it was one of those that was see-through, so you could see all the inner wires and stuff, and it had like a monkey on it or something. It was for kids, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, my own phone, but it was a landline. Like, it wasn't even mm-hmm. a big deal. And I don't think I ever actually plugged it in. <laughs> Why? I don't think I was ever allowed to, so I just had it. Interesting. It, yes. But I got my first phone when I, I think I was 12. Okay. But the reason why I got it is because I used to ride my bike to school, and um, one day... When I was riding my bike home from school, me and another kid were racing and they, their tire hit into mine and it flipped my bike. Mm -hmm. And so I was closer to the school than home. So I just went back to the school and got like patched up by the nurse because I was bleeding everywhere. And my parents freaked out because they didn't know where I was because I had no way to tell them. So that's why I ended up getting a phone. Fun. Yes. What about you? Well, mine is not as exciting as yours. <laughs> I My family had a landline for internet purposes mm-hmm. because we had dial-up. And <laughs> whenever you would go on the internet, you would hear the... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But... I mean, that was mainly what our landline was for besides family purposes. I never had a landline in my room 
was never allowed to have my own phone. Uh, and I never really called my friends on it. I just remember calling JC and Ashley, and that's it. I only <laughs> called family. Yeah. Like, it, it wasn't a friend thing. Well, my, I think I remember calling when I was in, like, first and second grade. I had a best friend that I would call on the phone, but only to make plans to yeah. meet. And most of the time, it wasn't even me making the plans. It was my mom. Right. Um, so, I didn't get a f- cell phone until I was in eighth grade, and I was in athletics and band, mm-hmm. and... I got really fed up having to call my mom on my friend's phones. Mm-hmm. Um, so I asked for an old one of my dad's work phones that he would keep for some apparent reason. Right. And my first phone was a Razor, but it was after they were cool because it was in eighth grade. How old, how old are you in eighth grade? Like 14, 15? No. No. Younger. 13. 12, 13. Maybe 14. 13, 14. 13, 14. It's 13, 14 because I was 14 in freshman year. Yeah. Yeah, so it was after they were cool. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. I didn't care. It was cool. I had a cat sticker that my cousin super glued to the back of my <laughs> phone so I could never get the Sims card out. Um, <laughs> unless I wanted to, like, break the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was fine. My first phone was one of those Walmart ones that was prepaid <laughs> minutes and like you, you, your parents could program it for you to only be able to call Attract certain them. people pretty much. Yeah. And then, um, I did my first real phone was one of those that you could turn sideways and flick yeah. like, up to have a keyboard. And one day I was going to the bathroom at the school and I used to wear really big jackets that mm-hmm. like didn't fit me but you know and I reached to flush the toilet and it fell out of my pocket no. and literally like flushed Trag- like it went down the toilet yeah didn't like float in the water no. like I saw <laughs> it was gone and I went back to my math class crying no. and I was like can I call my mom <laughs> That's awful. Mm -hmm. My second, my most favorite phone to this day Uh was my second phone. Okay. It was the Samsung Impression. Oh, yeah. So it was one of the first touch screens. Mm -hmm. But it was after touch screens became a thing, but it was one of the first ones. Right. And um, you could also slide it to the side and have the keyboard. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the first ones that had Do Not Disturb, which started me on my bad habit that I still have to this day where I keep my phone on do not disturb on accident. I don't for, ever use it. Ever. For, I it's always on do not disturb. Not me. My favorite I always I had a bad track record with phones. Like yeah. it, they were getting broken. My mom washed one in the washer once cuz I left it in a pocket. <laughs> like yeah. and they were never like super expensive phones cuz you know back then. But my absolute favorite was called the katana and it was like a knockoff razor yes and it was a dark blue and i loved it and it was just a flip phone i was so efficient in t9 texting Mm -hmm. like not even looking at the phone i could send full paragraphs one day (laughs) i was waiting for the bus and i had it in my back pocket and 
where we sat, there was a storm drain. Mm-hmm. And of course, my phone fell into the storm drain. Yeah. And I didn't notice till I was on the bus. No. So I didn't get to go find it until after school. That's awful. It was, but it was fine. It survived. It was 100% okay. One time I left my impression in the woods because I grew up in the middle of the woods, if you didn't know. And it was, okay, so it was dark. A, that's creepy. Yeah. My phone was out there though and it was going to storm and my parents weren't going to buy me another phone. And I needed that phone because it had all of my Journey albums on it. I need it. And Fall Out Boy albums on it. So it was a necessity. So I grabbed my dog and we went out on an adventure to go find my phone in the middle of the woods in the middle of the dark. And all I had to defend me was a miniature schnauzer and a... Not a very scary dog. <laughs> and a heavy duty flashlight. Oh yeah. Um, one of That's the scarier big, than like, the dog. Metal ones. So I was out there. My forest, even though I live in... I grew up in Texas... It was one of the only ones that still had mountain lions in it at mm-hmm. the time. Lived next door to a forest ranger. So I find my phone, but I hear rustling in the distance. <laughs> no thanks. And my miniature schnauzer didn't bark or defend me. It ran away. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I guess this is my cue. So I also started running and I make it to the light at the end of my uh, backyard. And um, the next day... We get a call from our neighbor that was like, are you guys okay? Are all of your animals okay? There was a mountain lion Mm -mm. in our backyard yesterday. And that's where I was to get my phone. So Yay. I'm glad you're still here. And I saved my impression. That's the most important part of the story. My impression didn't die until two years later, whenever it fell off the bus. Mm. (laughs) I dropped it going up the bus like the stairs and it fell down the stairs and it died on the road i get that but yeah fun fact everyone else i want you to close your eyes and think of your first phone now i want you to think of your favorite phone and then we want to hear what those are tell us tell us i want to know yes because i'm curious for some reason i don't know i mean everyone has their own like stories yeah cool with it with hearing it yeah and we're in a weird our generation like the middle generation between uh millennials and gen z we're just that weird like hmm hmm yep we're we're here yeah and so we have interesting stories having to do because our worlds didn't revolve around phones until we were in middle school the technology advanced so quickly yeah so it's just i talk about that in my story so ooh, look at me i'm psychic yes do you want to go into trivia sure okay i start trivia one who wrote the book, which was then turned into a movie with the name Odd Thomas? Yeah, I read that as Old Thomas. I was not, like, that's mean. Not Old Thomas. Have you ever seen Odd Thomas or read the book? No, I have not. The movie is really good. It's starring Anton Yelchin, the guy mm. that plays Chekhov in the new Star Trek movies who passed away recently. Right. It's really good. You should watch it. Anyways, who wrote the book? A, Stephen King. B, Neil Gaiman. C, Dean Koontz, D, James Patterson, or E, Anne Frazier? 
I don't think it was Stephen King. Because I haven't seen that from him. But that means nothing. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with James Patterson. Nah, it's Dean Koontz. Hmm. Also, I have never read a book by that man. But my parents have read a lot because I remember seeing his name all over the house on books. Interesting. So, more on him later. Mine a little different. On the electromagnetic spectrum, which radiation type wave is the largest in length? <laughs> I should know this because of physics. I know. I literally took it my last semester in college. Ah, Joe. <laughs> I should know this, but I don't think I do. I think you probably do. We'll see. A, X-ray. B, infrared. C, microwave. D, ultraviolet. Or E, radio. I really, like, I don't know. Um, hmm, I can't even picture the graph. <laughs> like, this is where I'm at. I'm not good at this. Um, is that what a wave looks like? <laughs> I'm so glad we are not a visual medium. No. Because no one needs to see what I'm doing to try to figure this out. Just think of the robot gone wrong. That's pretty much what I'm doing. You're yeah. right. Just <laughs> hydraulics are not working. I'm just gonna... I don't remember what's on either like end and it's frustrating me. I'm just gonna say radio. I don't think that's right though. Yeah, it's right. Ah! So here is the electromagnetic See, that's what spectrum. I was trying to like get in my brain. And I thought one side was red and one side was purple. I didn't remember that radio was red. <laughs> so, okay, here's the answer. So the largest in wavelength is radio. The second is microwave. The third is infrared. The fourth is visible. Um, the fifth is ultraviolet, the sixth is x-ray, and the smallest, teeniest, tiniest wave on the spectrum is the gamma ray. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> I'm gonna forget that in like two minutes. Okay. No, you won't. Apparently you remember. <laughs> uh, trivia two. What is the name of the test given to measure a machine's intelligent behavior? Mm-hmm. A, the mimic test. B, the adaptability test. C, the humanity test. D, the Malkov test. Or E, the Turing test. Um, is it the mimic test? I don't know. It's not. I didn't know. It, it is actually the Turing test. Okay. Have you ever heard of the Turing test? No. Have you seen the movie The Imitation Game starring Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. Okay, that's Alan Turing. Oh my god. And he made the Turing test, which he dubbed The Imitation Game. Right. So that whole movie, what that's about, mm -hmm. that's how they, that's the test that they use to see if a machine is quote unquote intelligent. Right, to see if how it can, fast it can crack its code. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. I made up the other ones. Nice. Thanks. So my second one is, which option is not listed on the American Cancer Society site as, quote, known to be human carcinogenic? Oh. 
um, on their published natural toxicology program, the 14th report on carcinogenics or gens, carcinogens. Sorry, not carcinogenics. That's the same thing, but different. So um, the first answer choice is coal, tars, B, mercury, C, wood dust, D, solar radiation, or E, neutrons. So I'm trying to guess which things... Is not a carcinogen. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) Okay, so carcinogens are in, like, cigarettes. I know. I think. I think I know that. So... I'm just going to guess neutrons. No, sadly, neutrons are... How dare So the an- Neutron is taking this world apart. <laughs> I was thinking about that the entire time. But actually, it is a carcinogen. Um, B is... A- Mercury is not a carcinogen. See, I would have guessed everything else before that. Really? Well, I mean, no, but there would have been a couple before that. Okay. Um, because mercury does not cause cancer, it... But it does cause your brain to deteriorate. Yes. Good <laughs> but that's not cancer. Because cancerous is actually the multiplication of cells, mm-hmm. while mercury usually kills cells. Okay, so it's like the opposite. Yeah. At hmm. least that's how I understand in it. Some Whether way. or not I'm right in that <laughs> in explanation, who knows? <laughs> but, yes. Story time. I drew paranormal. (laughs) The paranormal. I drew paranormal. And immediately I thought of a few different (laughs) things that I could do with this topic. Because, you know, telephone, paranormal. There's a lot of stuff that goes with that. So I stand behind your back and draw a ghost on the back. You know that (laughs) phone game? (laughs) No, not not the game telephone. Anyways. Um... I couldn't really choose between some of them, so I'm actually going to do two different things. Okay. Uh, so bear with me and buckle up. I can't. There are no seatbelts on this seat. Then hold on tight. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to start with something that I found really interesting that is not necessarily paranormal. We'll get to that part. Okay. But I found this on my research, like during my research, and... It posed a lot of questions that I thought would be worth bringing up. Questioning. Yes. <laughs> I was like, hmm, what's a different word for question? <laughs> Maybe a thesaurus. Um, so the thing that I found is something that poses moral questions about technology and mourning. Okay. So we've already kind of talked about how technology has come really, really far, even in just our lifetimes. So we were born in 1997, and that was right before there was a really big and fast advancement of technology. So we grew up with the floppy disks, VHS tapes, cassettes, but we also grew up alongside CDs, DVDs, and using USBs, right? It was pretty common practice. Um, and I remember my parents having beepers, like pagers. Beepers. Did, <laughs> I'm old. Did your parents ever have beepers that you remember? No. Pagers? My dad's company was more into the car phone. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's even further beyond the beepers. Right. My family, uh, you know, they were all law enforcement. So I remember my mom and my stepdad having Nextel phones, which were basically walkie-talkies. Yeah. Um, anyways, that's off subject. I just remembered it. And I even remember when I was a kid, toy companies marketing toys that were like pagers. Oh, yeah, I remember that. you were supposed that. to give one to your friend and you could send each other messages I and wanted stuff. one so bad. So did I. I think I might have gotten one at one point, but I don't remember it clearly, yeah. you know? I didn't have anyone to give one to, so I didn't. I mean, yeah. I lived in the middle of the woods, so nobody could reach me anyways. Right, right. <laughs> um, so we went from that, <laughs> from being children, wanting beepers. From being children, period. To today, in 2020, Yeah. we have androids with remarkable artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. like Sophia, the robot. Like terrifying intelligence that's smarter than yes me yes yes we're getting there we're continuing on that topic so technology is still growing and with that growth comes a time that we have to think about whether or not we should do something not just can we do something Mm -hmm. right so this is one such case the thing that i'm going to be talking about brace yourselves You are braced. (laughs) There is now a possibility of digitally interacting with those who have passed on. That's gross. In my opinion. Just wait. Okay. Because that was my initial reaction too. Well, not even like in a religious aspect, but like just... mm. Yes, Mm. that was my initial response too, but just hear me out. Okay. Okay. So, the technology to create convention... Hello. (laughs) The technology to create convincing digital surrogates of the dead is here and it's rapidly evolving with researchers predicting its mainstream viability within a decade. No. Yes. So imagine having a friend or a family member pass on and you go through the mourning process, you go to the funeral, you cry, you know, you have all those emotions as people do and... Have you ever heard of someone sending a text or trying to call the phone of someone who's passed just for some sense of normalcy? On accident. Well, oh, I've yeah. heard of people who like text, hey, I miss you mm-hmm. or something like that. Or like people whose spouses had passed away. They text them happy anniversary on their mm-hmm. anniversary <laughs> every year. So I know. It's a, it's, it's a mourning process. Yeah. So imagine sending them a text saying just, I miss you. And you get a response replying, <laughs> I miss you too. Uh, I like, okay. For me, mm-hmm. as of right now in this story. Right. I don't know how I would feel about that. Mm-hmm. Because I would probably be like, ooh. <laughs> because yes. A, that would hurt a little bit, I think. Yes. Yeah. And that's, when I first started reading this, I was like, what are the psychological, like, repercussions? Yeah. But that's as of right that's now. That's as of right story. now. It, 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 just wait. Yeah. But and you might still, you might still think the same thing at the end. But, but just yeah. come into this with an open brain. Sure, Yes. 
So then the conversation would be able to continue back and forth as if the person were still alive. Like, it would continue. It wouldn't just stop at that. Mm -hmm. And that's where the ethics come in, which is what's making us feel very... Because that's what was pounded into our brain for so long for school. Yes. Um, One question that was posed is, is this a breach of privacy for those who have passed on? Ooh, interesting. That's not a, a way that you would have thought about that, right? Yeah. But I get where the question comes from. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, it it doesn't hurt them because Mm -mm. they're, and that's what I usually apply to ethics is of the, at least that's what I've learned. Right. Ethics usually involve the living. Mm -hmm. Obviously you can fight, um, for justice for those who have even passed on, like in criminal cases and stuff. Right, right. But most of the time, that's not even for them. That's for their family. Right. Whenever, in order to get compensation or whatever. Or just... For... Closure. Exactly. Um, and when I first read that question about the breach of privacy, mm. it, it made my brain go down a rabbit hole of if you're making artificial intelligence to represent these people who have passed on, mm-hmm. they have no say on what that artificial intelligence says. Right, exactly. So if it deviated mm-hmm. from what they would have done, you know what I mean? It's just touchy. Another thing is that speaking with someone we love just on a regular basis, mm-hmm. it evokes a very powerful response like within you. Yeah. So imagine the response psychologically that we would have if we could do so in the wake of their death. Right. That's just, it's it's compounding. It's so much... It's so much response just internally that you can't control. Yeah. So this would affect the grieving process in ways that scientists are only really beginning to explore right now. Mm-hmm. So nobody really knows what would happen, like, psychologically. Right. Uh, in the year of the article that I found, it, it was written in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that year neuroscientists and philosophers had been speculating about the potential of basically building a digital duplicate of, like, your grandmother. This copy could exist in a kind of virtual Elysium. Like, in a virtual reality. Yeah. So, this copy could exist in a kind of virtual reality. So, able to Skype into Thanksgiving dinners long Mm -hmm. after they've passed. Stuff like that. But there was a man named Hussein Ranma of Ryerson University in the MIT Media Lab, and he's working on something more immediately realizable than mental duplicates. He's working on chatbots crafted from personal data. So here's a quote from him. And and this just, ooh, okay. Quote, 50 or 60 years from now, millennials will have reached a point in their lives where they each will have collected zettabytes, which is a trillion gigabytes of data. And that's through, you know, all the different online stuff, you know, text, emails, all that. MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> MySpace. <laughs> um, and, and so that much data is just what is needed to create a digital version of yourself. Ew. End quote. Ew. We don't need any more Sarah. Once Sarah's gone, Sarah should stay <laughs> gone. Okay. He calls it augmented eternity. Okay. His AI program builds upon the digital archive a person has left behind. Emails, texts, tweets, and even Snapchats. 
He feeds these into artificial neural networks, which are like model brains that understand language patterns and process new information. And thanks to the neural network's ability to, quote, think for itself, the person's digital being continues to evolve after the physical being has passed on. So it it keeps learning as if that person would be learning. So. So what's the point of even existing then? Besides to gather that data, but then afterwards, right. who cares? Right. It's, it's, yes, listen. I um, am. <laughs> so in this way, an augmented eternity bot would keep aware of current events, develop new opinions, and become an entity that is based on a real person, rather than being exactly who they were at the time of their death. Yeah, because they continue to grow so they could become their own thing. Yes. But at the same time, they have all of your data. Mm -hmm. So all of your memories. Pretty much. So what makes it different in the sense of, for the sake of argument, what makes it different from a potential me that continues to grow? You're dead. That's the... No. mm -mm. (laughs) I don't get permission. (laughs) Okay. Once I'm dead, I'm dead. You hear that, listeners? <laughs> Don't you hear, hear that. any ideas. <laughs> Ooh, they could use the podcast for data. It already is, apparently. Okay. Um, while his augmented eternity programs are still in development, which does scare me. Like, the way that that sounds doesn't sound ideal to me. Yeah, no. Um, it, it's interesting, though, that... Just the way that everything has come together. My question is, what benefit would that necessarily be? Because then that doesn't about that a little bit more. Okay, but I'm still gonna ask. Yes. Because what is the actual benefit of making somebody or something the idea of them to continue to live? Because basically, you don't learn. To, you wouldn't learn to say goodbye. Yes. Yes, ma'am. And that's... Yes. Dumb. Yes. I'm getting there. <laughs> you are feeling emotions that I understand. So, um, another researcher has made a prototype of something similar. Her name is Eugenia Kaida. I'm probably mispronouncing it. spelled K-U-Y-D-A. Co-founder of Russian AI startup named Luca launched a program on their app last year. So it said last year, 2017. So 2016. Okay. Um, they launched a program on their app in 2016 that allowed the public to engage with a person named Roman Mazarenko, which was their best friend who was killed in a car accident in 2015. That is so sad. So... Her aim was to use digital afterlife technology to create a memorial in the form of a chat box, a chat box, chat bot, available to anyone interested in talking to Roman. The bot was so convincing that it even earned a seal of approval from his mother. Wow. But while chat bots are good at imitating their, the person they're based on, Mm -hmm. their patterns of speech, they're not satisfying substitute for real people. Quote, it's more like a shadow of a person, she says. At this point, it's similar to us talking to God or imagining we're talking to someone we've lost or even talking to a therapist. 
<laughs> Don't throw a therapist into that. That's not nice. <laughs> okay. Um, also, if you're listening to this and you're a fan of the sci-fi show Black Mirror, Bomb. you might recognize that there is a similar situation in the 2013 episode titled Be Right Back. Oof. Uh, that episode suggests that attempts to preserve our loved ones in a digital afterlife will result in painful repercussions. It also raises the question of whether a service able to turn a dead person into a chatbot would be venturing into an ethical gray area. I mean, it is. Yes. Andrea Warnick is a Toronto-based grief counselor and thanatologist who studies the scientific psychological and social aspects of death when she was presented with this idea Mm -hmm. she sees a potential therapeutic application for digital afterlife technology but not in the way of speaking with the departed loved ones Mm -hmm. but in starting a conversation about them right and this is when it kind of started being like okay continue right and I wasn't 100% like, ooh. <laughs> so here's a quote from her. In modern society, many people are hesitant to talk about someone who has died for fear of upsetting those who are grieving. So perhaps the importance of continuing to share stories and advice from someone who has died is something that we humans can learn from chatbots. Okay. Warnick says that the most common advice after someone has passed on is that someone should just move on. But she feels that Western society could benefit from a reminder that just because someone is dead does not mean that they're gone. Mm -hmm. Quote, however, given our society's general discomfort with death and grief, I have concerns that they have potential to be misused as well, possibly leading situations in which people are further alienated in their grieving process, which I get like 100%. When I, I was telling my little sister about this earlier because I was like, I'm researching a thing that has me feeling weird. And she was like, what is it? And, and basically, I was like, I see the application of starting the conversation because that is something we kind of make taboo. Mm-hmm. But I could also see the mental repercussions if you lean too heavily upon it. Mm-hmm. The hope is that chatbots don't undermine the importance of human connection and support for those who are grieving. The main idea the main idea that Eugenia had on the advancement of this technology is that it's therapeutic to those who use it to say what they're thinking and feeling. And it's also about normalizing the conversation during the grieving process. So it is kind of a little bit like therapy. As long as you're not like, this is them. Like, I'm talking to them. This is a replacement for them. Right. It's more of getting what you need to say out there. Yeah. Um, It's not about what we hear. It's about what we say, Eugenia says. And that's that on that. That's what I have for that. And I know that wasn't paranormal, but it was something that caught my attention while I was researching. Oh, yeah, that's fair. So, um, I just thought it was interesting, and I didn't want to do my whole story on that since it wasn't paranormal, but I really wanted to share it. So now, I'm going to tell you some stories of people who have gotten calls from beyond the grave. Yes, tell me. Cue the spoopy music. Beautiful. Ooh, Twilight Zone. (laughs) Um, We are entering. All right. 
So one of the most high-profile accounts of a call from the dead was made to none other than the best-selling author Dean Koontz, mm-hmm. uh, which he would later relate to a different author and biographer, Catherine Ramsland. Now, I do want to state, and I didn't even think about this earlier, the book that I used in my trivia question, Odd Thomas, mm-hmm. is about a man who sees dead people. <laughs> It's the sixth sense. No, it's a little bit different, but it's really good. Anyways, so Kuntz claimed that one day he received a call on his unlisted office phone and that when he picked it up, he could hear the voice of a woman who sounded as if she were, quote, far away. Kuntz explained that the woman spoke out with great urgency, giving the simple yet chilling statement of, please be careful. When Kuntz asked who it was, the voice did not acknowledge him, but rather repeated the same warning three more times. Hmm. And the voice started to fade into the distance, after which the line fell silent, leaving the author to sit there, pondering what he had just heard. Eerily, he would claim that the voice had sounded exactly like his mother, who had passed away 20 years (laughs) earlier. That's not okay. And he remarked, quote, it was such a strange call. Yeah. yeah yeah yes yes but this is what makes this crazy like that's not it okay two days later uh-huh Kuntz went to visit his father 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 <laughs> Kuntz went to visit his father at a mental health facility where he was being treated for unspecified behavioral problems mm-hmm. allegedly when Kuntz entered the room his father inexplicably lashed out at him with a small knife Okay. He was able to, uh, it says wrest the weapon away. (laughs) (coughs) Yes. He was able to wrestle the weapon away, and he claims that when he exited the room holding the knife, he was confronted by armed police officers who ordered him to drop it. Koontz, who was still bewildered by the fact that his own father had just tried to kill him, tried to explain the situation, but was warned that if he didn't comply, he was going to be shot. Oof. Finally, he did drop the knife and the situation was resolved, but not without sticking in his head forever. Kuntz would later ponder whether the strange call he had received had been a warning from beyond the grave from his mother. Fair. Yeah. Uh, Here is another one. These are all kind of short. From the late 1960s comes the story of Sima Lieberman. Lieberman. At the time, she was in love with a man named Johnny, who he, who she had planned to marry. The two had moved in together, and things were like a dream come true. Then one night, Sima claimed that she got a call at night from Johnny, but that the line was filled with a static, and his voice sounded urgent and rushed. He allegedly told her, quote, I just want you to know that I love you, and I'll never be mean to anyone again. Um. End quote. When she asked him what was wrong, Sima claims that the line simply went dead. She claims that she tried to call him back numerous times, but was only met with a dial tone. Two hours later, she received yet another call, this time from Johnny's mother, saying that he had been shot and killed the night before as he sat in his car. To this day, yeah, to this day she insists that it was her dead lover reaching out to comfort her from beyond the grave. That's so sad. Yes. Um, here's another one. 
A rather bizarre, well-circulated, and allegedly recorded case of a call from the dead happened in 1994 when a paranormal researcher by the name of George Meek was contacted from the land of the dead by his long-deceased colleague, Constantine Raudiv. Meek and Raudiv had been eminent researchers of recording and researching electric voice phenomenon, which is EVP, in which disembodied voices of spirits are purportedly caught on audio tape. Together, the two men had made it their life's work to attempt to investigate and prove the phenomena and were claimed to have made several groundbreaking recordings to this end, but their research was cut short with Raudiv's tragic death in 1974. Then in 1994, 20 years later, Meek claims that he had been started being contacted by his long-dead colleague through calls, emails, and even fax. It seemed oddly fitting that such a prominent researcher of EVP should come back to successfully become part of the very phenomena he had so heavily studied. Mm-hmm. Meek claimed that he successfully made recordings of these calls from him, one of which you can listen to. I'm going to put it in the description. Okay. Because... So I wrote this today when I was at the laundromat Mm -hmm. Oh! and I accidentally clicked on it and I was like, nope, nope, nope. And I got out very quickly. I want to hear it. I have not listened to it because I'm a baby. Right now. I'm scared. Let's listen to it. Okay. Give me a minute. Let's see. Hi, this is George I already can't. I can't do it. I'm like, I, mm-mm. Nope. What the fuck? I started tearing up. I can't do it. What the flip? Nope. (laughs) I'm shook. Okay, that's gone. Goodbye. That's crazy. So if you want to listen to that, and if you're not a baby like me. Yeah, you're kind of a baby. I am very much a baby. So, uh, if you want to listen to that, um, it's probably not even that scary. I'm just... It's two in the morning. It sounds fake. It's two in the morning and I can't handle it. Oh, that. It'll right be there. in my part of the description. It's great. You can click on it. It'll be cool. It's the one from worlditc.org. In another account in 2003. Oh, this one really got me. Okay. Uh, not like scary, but I was like, oh, whoa. Oh, wait, it wasn't this one. Okay. We'll see. It's still a good one. In another account in 2003, a man from Lancashire named Frank Jones lost his wife Sadie to a heart attack and had her buried with her beloved cell phone, which she was known to always be playing with. Not long after his wife's death, he and his family began to receive inexplicable calls, as well as SMS messages, which had seemed to come from the deceased Sadie's phone. On another strange occasion, Jones claimed to have gotten a call on his cell phone from his home number, which was odd considering that he knew nobody was there at the time. When he got back home, he claimed that he could smell the distinctive smell of cigarettes, which Sadie was very fond of smoking, even though Jones was not a smoker, as well as a faint whiff of the perfume his wife had used to wear. Jones also claimed that he regularly received SMS messages from his dead wife, which contained things that sounded like something which... She would say, but which listed no incoming phone number or mail address. In a rather sinister twist, Jones had had a brush with some sort of supernatural entity before, which had he had already or which had already chased away another family from the house. What? At the time, allegedly, 
His family's Blackpool home was plagued with all manner of paranormal phenomena, such as furniture being moved or even flung around, the sound of disembodied footsteps, a myriad of banging or tapping noises, the water faucet being turned on, clothes torn off of people. What? Bed covers... (laughs) Yes. Bed covers (laughs) ripped off of beds and doors being slammed shut. The entity had been known as, quote, the thing. Ew! And it had led the family to have the house exercised. Ooh! I hate exercising in the first place. Mm -hmm. Five years later, after that exorcism, the couple lost their 32-year-old son, Stephen, to a brain tumor. (gasps) And three months after that, Sadie died. What? That's awful. Yes. In the first place, that's awful. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is my last one. This is the one that I was like, whoa. <laughs> so, one of the most famous of the calls from the dead occurred September 12th, 2008. On this day, a Metrolink commuter train was involved in a catastrophic fatal crash with a freight, with a freight train as it ran through the Chatworth district of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. The disaster claimed the life of 25 people on board. Oh my gosh. Yeah. One of which was a 49-year-old man named Charles E. Peck. In the hours after the tragic disaster, a total of 35 calls were made from Peck's phone to various friends and family, including his fiance, sister, son, stepmother, or er, and stepmother, all of whom reported picking up the phone to hear only static. And also said the return call simply picked up the man's voicemail. So if they tried to call him back, it went straight to voicemail. The cell phone signal from Peck's phone eventually led to the discovery of his body. Oh my god. And it was determined that he had been killed instantly upon impact. How did it lead to his body? Because like the ringer was on or something? I don't think so. I think it was maybe from where it was pinging. I'm not sure. Okay. Um... However, so he died upon impact, mm-hmm. but the calls had been made from his phone over the course of 11 hours after the crash. Oh my gosh. And depending on the source, they say it's up to one hour before his body was found or mm-hmm. up to when the body was found. And that's when they suddenly stopped. Oddly enough, although the signal had led the rescuers to the body, mm-hmm. it's unclear if his cell phone was ever actually recovered. Like, it's, it was never stated that they recovered it. Weird. So, some articles are like, they never found it. Yeah. But, in reality, authorities might not have just mentioned. Yeah. You know what I mean? In reality, the authorities simply made no mention of finding it, rather than specifically saying they didn't find it. Right. You know, there's a difference. But still, the the fact that it, it called all of the most important people in his life mm-hmm. up to 11 hours after the crash, of which he died upon impact. Right. That's still... That's a lot. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and that's all I have for you today. Oh, cool. So, I know it was like a lot, but... No. It's never enough paranormal. I'm excited. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that was awesome. So, hello. Hi, now it's my turn. Hi. <laughs> Hi. So, I drew conspiracy theory. Hmm. Hmm. Which, there's 
the obvious, your phone is always listening to you, which obviously it is. It has to be because, especially iPhones, because you call out Siri and it will say, Hello, I am listening. How can I help you? Have you also done the thing where you take a picture with the live mode on and you count down from three and it records you before you ever push the button? Yeah. Yeah, so... The government already knows everything about you. We all have our own FBI agents. I feel like mine is my best friend. His name is probably Michael. (laughs) (laughs) His name is probably Michael. I have a feeling about it. You know... What if me and you both have Michaels? Whoa, and they're (gasps) friends! (laughs) FBI, best friends, name Michael. The Michael duo. Someone make that, like, a cartoon, please. Oh my gosh t-shirt i'm here for it anyways the michaels the michaels that's an obvious conspiracy theory of course i decided to not go with the obvious duh that's not what we do on this show (laughs) and um who wants to live an easy life i went with the question what is 5g i am taken aback uh hmm five Five grapes. Five grapes. I could eat a grape for a whole hour. That I don't know. It's the five grapes in the sky. (laughs) Exactly. So the term 5G stands for fifth generation. Mm -hmm. Much like 3G, 4G, 2G. When a net when the network jumps to 5G, everything will work at a faster speed with much lower latent latency. It will become the host for newer, better services for our future. So basically, it's the 4G of the of the future. Okay. Okay. And it's already out. Yes. Um, countries have already switched to 5G or have started the transition have already started building the towers. The new iPhones connect to 5G. Um, right. The United States is already starting to switch to 5G. Right. 5G is already beginning. Right. And they're already almost fully developed with 6G. Lord. Yeah. Well, the science behind it's already, you know, coming together. Science. We're talking <laughs> about science so much this episode. I freaking love science. Science. But I prefer rules. physics. Um... However, in order to benefit from this network, people will have to move to newer devices. So get the new iPhone, you know, get the new Samsung, um, which people like to do or hate to do. Right. There are very few in between, you know. Um, And privacy concerns are also at a forefront of people's grievances since 5G could help law enforcement track suspects and their movements in ways that could violate a person's rights. Yeah. Um, it's good because hopefully it will help crack down into the dark web. Yeah, so that's scary, you know. Um, it can... Well, it just helps with law enforcement, with enforcing the law. Exactly. But at the same time... There are we... parts of the regular Google web, the um, just the surface, you know, as surface dwellers... There are things that could be encroaching on privacy. Yeah. That they could do. Yeah. So many people are also highly concerned about not just physical problems, but health concerns. 
Um, okay. So the fear behind 5G involving physical health, like bodily health concerns, has swept the world. Right. There are concerns about radiation mm-hmm. from the new 5G network um, causing higher cancer developments and other conditions alike. So uh, cardiac problems. Um, right. Tumors just period. Cancer all over. Mm-hmm. You know, all sorts of things. A lot of people are afraid of that. Scientists say no and criticize the theorists for their misleading approach to the subject and their proposed facts on the topic. Um, Yet meetings and public talks covering 5G and a higher potential of developing cancer, they just gather rooms full of these people and these talks are always usually packed full of spectators and... It's definitely a hot topic. Mm-hmm. This idea and this topic leads us with with this question of whether or not 5G is actually dangerous. Okay. So there's no real answer to this question. Mm-hmm. Yet, since there are many diff- different opinions, there are a lot of different spectators, but there's not a lot of actual research behind it because you can't do it. Because it's more of a length right. of time that you would have to study it. Well, hasn't it always been a thing with, with cell phones being you, you're you afraid of radiation for your cell phones? Yeah. Because, like, I remember, you know, seeing girls walking around with it, like, in their cleavage. Whenever you don't have pockets, I mean, you make do. And I tried to do it once, and I was like, no, you'll get cancer. So, like, cause that's it's a it's a real fear. Yeah. That's been here for a while. Yeah, and um, they dive into the science behind it for sure, and I will get to that. Um, yes, it's always been a fear, so just maximize that, <laughs> because they're saying that it's not just it being on your body. It's just it's being the, in the air. The, just right. in the so world. The radio waves being in the air, and you being by one of their towers. If so, if you were standing by that tower for a while, or you if you move by the tower, especially if your house is right there and the five G tower is right there, and you're around it for an extended period of time. Yes, the theory is you are going to most likely develop a type of cancer, especially or radiation. Well, no. Well, yeah, the radiation, the waves are affecting you. Right. And that it is a carcinogenic and you are, your potential of developing cancer is much higher than somebody who is not near the 5G tower. However, because it's a tower and because 5G is bigger, better, badder, you know, it's not just going to be people living by the tower, but also anyone, everyone, right. because we are always going to be surrounded near. by it. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. While there is no real answer, there are definitely groups of scientists who fear 5G and believe that mm-hmm. it needs to be tested more. Mm-hmm. For example, there was an official appeal made on behalf of more than 180 scientists and doctors from 36 different countries in the European Union, warning against the dangers of 5G. 
this appeal was delivered to the EU um, to follow resolution 1815 of the Council of Europe. This would allow for the EU to develop an independent task force to reassess the health effects of 5G because 5G was developed in China and mm-hmm. there is also a whole different side to the 5G conspiracy that I won't be covering because I'm covering more of the health side. Mm-hmm. But there is a side of China is using 5G to spy more into the American, the more Western gotcha. countries, and they're going to use it to hack um, or to make it easier to hack into our network mm-hmm. in order to gain more information. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. I I don't. I haven't asked recently. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't asked my inside sources. Exactly. So I don't know if that's possible because it's a it's a wife it, it it's an internet right network but if it's going to make it easier for police force to track uh criminals or suspects i i don't see how it would be improbable for china to have an easier access to right. hack into things but where anyone could have that access to hack right gotcha so These scientists and doctors from the EU warn against increase in exposure of radio frequency electromagnetic fields on top of 2G, 3G, 4G, Wi-Fi, etc. for telecommunications already in place, which has been proven to be harmful for humans and the environment to some extent. But also, we will see Mm -hmm. uh, just how proven, and quote-unquote, it has been. Okay. Like what level of harm it's actually Mm -hmm. so some people claim that 5g is in the same wavelength as weapons made by the military um which is great not true (laughs) so the most recent big news headline protest Mm -hmm. besides the normal ones um that are like in california different places like that which are just more of a constant lobbying body right right. this one was more of a like flash mob sort of thing okay it wasn't a mob but it was a flash protest and it happened in 2019 (gasps) whoa Uh last year whoa so these protesters gathered around a middle school in eugene oregon protesting against a nearby cell phone tower operating on 5g Okay. The protesters believe that the tower would be the cause for drastic health consequences, and the middle school students were in danger because of it. Mm-hmm. A retiree... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this man. A retiree by the name of Victor Odvac... Odv... Odvac. 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 Is that it? Odvac. Odvac. Victor. stated there are people who have literally had heart attacks and died from this stuff end quote way to go victor victor and other members of the group also bike around eugene with a machine called a dry field meter a 150 dollar device that registers the electromagnetic fields of the air i guess okay we can see the needle pulsing 
we can see the needle shaking, end quote. Wow. <laughs> well, while, okay, so I'm no, in no way an expert of things. So, that being said, I do know that a lot of people say whenever you have EMF, you know, an EMF detector with very high spikes, that it can have a lot of physical and mental but he didn't say repercussions. It spiked. He didn't say, say like it was reaching high levels. He just said it shook. Yeah, he said, we can see the needle shaking. Also, you are constantly surrounded by right. um, electromagnetic waves. You are constantly surrounded by these radio frequencies. Constantly. With you listening to us right now, with your headphones in your ears and all of this technology surrounding you you are constantly being surrounded by these or the way you like download things using oh, the wi-fi sure. or sending text messages or just the wi-fi being on mm-hmm. being connected to your wife to your devices even if you're not using it necessarily it's, it's still there see this just has me picturing willy wonka sending mike tv from one end of the room to yeah. the other it's yeah michael michael <laughs> stop it michael Michael, this why is are you my constantly sur- theory. <laughs> we are constantly surrounded by Michaels. Welcome. <coughs> One of us is going to marry a Michael and we're going to just cry. I will not let that happen. <laughs> I'm just joking. You hear that? All of you Michaels, we're unavailable. <laughs> sorry for the interruption, Michael. Um, sorry for the like 300,000... 000- Michael interruption. Um, this is just gonna be a thing. We should just change our name to Michael. <laughs> Hi, I'm Michael. Hi, I'm Michael. <laughs> and welcome to Michael. And welcome to the Dual Michael Show. Mm-mm. Anyways, so after Victor, YouTube videos have also been created discussing the potential threat that is 5G. Obviously, you know YouTube always tends to do it has that. everything. So as do podcasts, claiming that the technology has a potential to cause cancer and other health problems. On a more extreme level, the influencers have even claimed that 5G could potentially be weaponized, allowing the government to use it as a mind control device or even as a means to destroy the global population as a whole. Mm. (laughs) It's very dramatic. Yay. I think that's just YouTube. Right. It's just drama. Number 15. Burger <laughs> King foot lettuce. <laughs> Gross. So these stories are a little irrational and manic compared to others. However, it is important to recognize how important the development and distribution of 5G is politically and commercially for the U.S. It's extremely important. Okay. 5G will advance the rate of the average download speed for large files, and which would potentially double the efficiency of an average business because they would be able to download videos, massive files of information right, and right. data, and you could just email it. That's crazy. Yeah. Also... The first countries to adopt the 5G technology would have an economic advantage against those countries who don't. Right. So it it's extremely important to have this. Okay. Knowing this, 
you could see why people are concerned or frustrated that more research wasn't put into the development of 5G to see whether or not it is safe, you right. know, to allow it to develop longer mm-hmm. because it was pretty fast Yeah, on the span of technology development, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So Russia has also published public news stories covering conspiracy theories against 5G, claiming that there are public health issues relating to the electromagnetic uh, radiation <laughs> Even though they already started releasing 5G into the city of Moscow. So, okay. Yeah, there's, you know, Russia, whatever. They're rushing around, you know, doing Russia stuff. However, most scientists believe that there is no real threat surrounding okay. the concept of 5G. If anything, there is probably less harm done by 5G than there was with 4G huh. and so on. Conspiracy theory. They bought out the scientists. <laughs> All of them. Yes. All of the scientists. If you say 5G is good, we'll give you pay rates. Yes. Yeah, on us. You'll get to go and do any sciencey thing you want on me. This is my own conspiracy theory. The government bought out science. Whoa. Bill Nye who? <laughs> <laughs> Shook. <laughs> so according to the instant... Wait question would that count like liberal arts science like political science no Rats. physical science i mean like neil degrasse tyson <laughs> so according to the institute of electrical and electro electronics engineers standards association sorry that's a lot of ease there is no scientific evidence supporting the theory that chronic exposure to radio waves at frequencies between zero and 300 gigahertz are connected to negative health side effects. And 5G is not expected to ever go over 300 gigahertz. Okay, that's good. Researchers at New York University and Temple University School of Medicine say that the shorter wavelengths associated with 5G will not penetrate human skin, which would make it less of a health concern compared to other technology from the past. Mm -hmm. Quote, The radio wave band used for mobile phone networks is non-ionizing, which means it lasts, it lacks sufficient energy to break apart DNA and cause cellular damage, says David Robert Grimes, who is a physicist and cancer researcher. Right, right. And that quotes from BBC. It is important to mention that in 2011, the World Health Organization's International Agency for Research on Cancer stated that electromagnetic radiation could possibly be a, a carcinogenic to humans. Okay. But that's also could possibly or potentially be. Right. Which is not on the list. Well, it's not necessarily not not, not confirmed, though. Okay. You know? So it's one of those that varies. And probably. It probably depends on DNA. There's probably a lot that has to do with it. Yeah. Rather than, like, if you're smoking. If A is to B. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... Exactly. Um, But that's just my personal thought. And I have... I just run a podcast. That's as much of, you know... That's as far as my... Expertise... Yes, can be thrown. So it is currently classified under the same level as gasoline, engine exhaust, consumption of pickled 
vegetables, talcum powder, and the notorious aloe plant. Are you telling me that I can't eat pickles? <laughs> I drink the juice straight out of the jar. No, it means that you're fine, basically. Okay. So the consumption of alcohol and processed meat and even standing in the sunshine are placed higher on the scale of being a possible threat to humans comparative to that of 5G. Okay. Quote, people are understandably concerned over whether they might elevate their risk of cancer, but it's crucial to note that radio waves are far less energetic than even the visible light we experience every day. Dr. Grimes says, there is no reputable evidence that mobile phones or wireless networks have caused us health problems. Okay. Nonetheless, this placement has called for research on the topic and its relation to human health. One such project goes by the name of Cosmos Project, or the Cosmos Project, Mm -hmm. which started in 2007. This study is to last for 30 years, strictly focusing on the possible effects of constant exposure to 5G radiation and whether or not it can have an effect on the human being. However, the problem with this project is it's ongoing and it's supposed to go for 30 years. Uh Uh-huh. And it's gonna continue going while we are developing and placing 5g into our world so we if anything bad would come of it it already would have happened like well it would be in the process of happening happening. like it's not preventative yeah at all exactly and once it's already into our society it's a lot harder to take something out of this world than to put it in this world right you know so Hmm. and so this is a quote from bbc as well and 2008, a report from the U.S. National Toxicology Program found that when a male rat had their whole bodies exposed to high levels of radiation at radio frequencies comparable to that of 2G and 3G cell phones, they developed malignant heart tumors. There was some evidence linking that exposure to the adrenal gland and brain tumors in male rats. For female rats, as well as female and male mice, it was unclear whether any of the tumors that developed were related to the radio frequency exposure. So it only really affected male rats. Okay. And they were exposed heavily to these 2G and 3G cell phones and their radio frequencies their entire life. As soon as they were born... They were exposed. Mm-hmm. And so were the mice and the female rats, and nothing happened. I wonder to them. what separated the male rats from the rest of those groups. Right. I have no idea. As for heating concerns, because it's not just the fear of what's going to happen to my body, it's also the fear of global warming mm-hmm. and the environment and the planet. Mm, the planet. As for heating concerns involving the environment and whether or not 5G will have any effect on global warming, part of the 5G spectrum permitted under international guidelines falls within the microwave band. Even though microwaves generate heat within objects they pass through, the levels used for 5G and earlier mobile technologies, the heating effects are not harmful, says Professor Rodney Croft an advisor to the International Commission on Non-Ionizing Radiation Protection. 
Quote, the maximum radio frequency level that someone in the community could be exposed to from 5G or any other signals in general community areas is so small that no temperature rise has ever been observed to date. Well, that's good. Good to know. With all of this in mind, it's understandable where some people have gathered their concern. I agree with the many scientists that more research or possible over possible health effects that could possibly be generated by 5G should have been studied Mm -hmm. before the release of the 5G into our world. Right. So I think we should have finished what we started in 2007. Instead of being like, eh, we'll see what happens. Exactly. But nonetheless, with all of the research that has already taken place over radio waves and have continued to develop through 5G Mm -hmm. along with the past information, it's pretty evident that nothing is going to change. If anything, it's safer. Gotcha. Yeah. So, but there's nothing we can do now except to sit and wait. (laughs) It's too late. See what happens. It's too late. Yes. Accept your fate. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe use a... A wireless headset, you know, if you need to. (laughs) If you don't want to put it up to your brain. Your phone, I mean. Hmm. Well, that is something (laughs) that I had thought about before. This whole 5G everything. Exactly. And so that's my story. Oh, you have left me with thoughts. (laughs) That's good. Yes, I'll have to ponder on this for a little bit. It's a cool, you know, It is, and I've never, like, thought about it. Like, I've never questioned it. Yeah. Like, ever. It's just there, you know? Yeah. Huh. Mm -hmm. This was a very tech-heavy episode. Yeah. That was not planned. No. No. No, no. It is time. It is almost three in the morning. Yay! Yay! The witching hour. Don't. No. You are not Harry Potter. Let's rock, paper, scissors. No, you're right. I'm Sarah Louie, who is also a Gryffindor wizard. <laughs> Freckles. Red hair. <laughs> Must be a Weasley. Must be a Weasley. <laughs> All right. Rock, paper, scissors. Shoot. Rock, paper, scissors. Shoot. Victory for the South. I hit my knuckle. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hit my knuckle. I keep winning at this. Well, I have to let you think you're a winner in some time. We didn't even choose a freaking state. Oh, okay. (laughs) I chose for you. Minnesota. Yeah. Sounds good. It's full of Minnesotas, if you didn't know. All right. All right. Well, um... Okay. Well... Our next topic will be the Minnesota. Yeah, that's where my family lives. Um, so I'm excited. Have you ever been to Minnesota? No. <laughs> <laughs> Our listeners are going to be so tired of you asking me where I've been and me just being like, no. <laughs> well, I've been to Minnesota and I love Minnesota. I've never even almost. Yeah. Oh, well... We used to go often. One time I was stuck in a car ride. Don't tell me too much, remember. No, I know. But one time I was stuck in a car ride for 13 hours with my grandmother. Wait, no, with my grandfather and my mother. Big Jim would not let me out of the car even when he had to get gas because he was just so fixated on making it to the other side (laughs) of Kansas. Wow. Um, But yeah, 
I'm excited. Okay, I I need to figure out something that I can do for states that I've never been to so I can still share something. <laughs> so I can be like, I know this thing about it. Look up fun facts so then I can't use them as trivia. What about if our listeners who have been to that place or have like been like live there would send in something small that I could share? Yeah. So you hear that, guys? I've been almost nowhere. (laughs) I've been to a handful of states. So. Yeah, actually for, like a handful. Yeah, so for the for the ones that I've never been to, I need your help. Give me something. You can tweet it at me. Send it to our email so I can read it and not be left out. So if you want to help Jessica um, with, Please. with this, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ACEOTA. That's spelled A-C-E-A-O-T-A. Yes, so tweeter. DM or slip into them DMs. Yes. And if you want all of our other personal stuff, you can see it in the descriptions. Um, and if you want to do it the old fashioned way with snail mail, you can email us. <laughs> that's the I mean, snail that's, mail that's man. That's not snail mail, but okay. But it is now in our world with technology. It is at A-C-E-A-O-T-A podcast at gmail.com. Yes. A-C-E-A-O-T-A podcast at gmail.com well that's that was a that was was an episode all right well that's all we got for for today as the boomers um what (laughs) i said that was a hoot as the boomers say (laughs) we are zoomers ew we we're zillennials okay (laughs) uh millennials spelled with a z at the end better okay uh we need to end this <laughs> uh good morning good night k thanks bye <laughs> toodles as the boomers say yeah i i am babby i'm okay with saying that i'm crying leave me alone are you serious are you legit crying <laughs> i can't handle things <laughs> you can't handle the truth nope so Ooh, pop it. Pop it, lock it, polka dot it, country vibe it, hip hop it, put your hawk in the sky, move side to side, jump to the left, stick it, glide, zigzag, across the floor, shuffle in diagonal. We will get demonetized. (laughs) Miley will come for us. (coughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe in you.